Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Amen. What a great, great opportunity to be together here today. We are in a series called Walking the Path. Let's go ahead and repeat that, Walking the Path. This is all about finding out and identifying what a real Christian looks like. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that uh, they profess and proclaim to be Christians, but what they believe a Christian is is not necessarily what a Christian is. And so, so we need to know what that is. And if you've missed any of the messages coming up to this moment in time, I encourage you to go back online and check them out. I believe that you will benefit by listening to them. Last week, I shared that the definition of a Christian, one definition is this, that one who is in Christ and Christ is in them. Seems like such a simple definition, but it's so true. It's not just knowing that there is a Christ, but it's being in Christ and Christ being in you. It talks about intimacy and tremendous relationship. The second definition that I personally just want to give because it goes with my message today is a Christian is somebody who overcomes insecurity. How many of you know this, that insecurity is debilitating? How many of you here have ever felt insecure in life? How many of you might feel insecure in life even right now? See, we're going to find out that insecurity is something that plagues so many people. But I want you to know that insecurity is one of the things that will rob from you and steal from you more than anything else. See, insecurity is not just something that 12 to 14-year-old teenage girls deal with. Insecurity is something that the majority deal with. How many of you know that you can be 50 and 60 years old and have lived 40 to 50 of those years insecure, right? This is something that most people aren't real excited to share that they're insecure because it's something that most people mask and they try to cover. You see, they don't want to be honest that they have these feelings of, of insecurity. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says this, that no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. Can I tell you this, that if you're facing something right now, just rest assured that there have been many people before you that have dealt with the same feelings. And one of those feelings is insecurity. All you need to remember, the Bible says, is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed pushed past your limit, he'll always be there to help you to come through it. See, a Christian is somebody that can be in the middle of uncertain circumstances, but yet know that their security rests in God alone. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that find themselves in uncertain circumstances but the emotion and the feeling that they deal with is not security, but it's insecurity. The emotion that they deal with is not, is not faith, but it is actually fear. And I want you to know this, that, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what this is revealing to you is that God wants to do an incredible work in that area of your life because your circumstances should not move your faith. Your situation should not, should not dictate, come on, your emotion because our security is found in Christ alone. Amen? And this is a process. And so, listen, I know I'm speaking to a lot of folks here today, but I want you to know this, that this is God's end goal, is to, regardless of the situations that you find yourself in, to help you feel safe and secure in him. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 26 says this, For the Lord will be at your side, and he will keep your foot from being snared. 
Who's going to keep your foot from being snared? The Lord is. Who is the master trapper? The devil, man. In fact, if you haven't read, there's a great book, and I've even preached a series on it. There's a great book called The Bait of Satan. And I'm telling you this, that the devil is constantly and continuously trying to figure out ways that he can entrap you, that he can set snares for you, that he can lie to you because he's the father of lies. And I want you to realize that insecurity doesn't come from God. Insecurity is a trap that the devil has set and you've gotten caught up in it. It happens when we become anxious, when we are uncertain about self and life. Why? Because we place our security in things uncertain. And once again, if you're dealing with that right now, please just know that it doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. We were, we were at a barbecue last night where we were celebrating Samaritan's Purse and the many different missions trips that... Um, that, that, that our church has taken to help rebuild homes back east. And, and I want you to know this, that, man, that is a wonderful place to get involved and go on a mission trip. You don't even have to have a, you know, a passport, get a visa. You can go help people, you know what I mean, in these great United States that are going through some incredible turmoil and trouble. Samaritan's Purse is also who we partnership to do the Operation 365, where we do all of the shoeboxes. And anyway, there were testimony after testimony of, of what kind of things happen whenever people have gone on these mission trips. And then Sarah Wright was asked the question, she was asked the question, how have you seen God move in and through the shoebox ministry? And she just said, it's just so crazy that God provides every single need. She said, if we needed a box full of pencil sharpeners, it's the craziest thing without anybody knowing it, a box full of pencil sharpeners show up. And she said this, and it just hit me to my car. She said, she said how would it be if we lived our lives knowing this, that God is always going to provide, he's always going to show up. We would have lives filled with more peace, more security. And so we trust God for the big things like the mission trip and the needs that we have to send these boxes to these kids. But sometimes we forget that he wants to meet and supply our everyday needs as well. I can tell you this, that sometimes we find ourselves worrying about things far too long than we ought to give energy to. Amen. So it's a trap. It's a lie. I want to give you some truths about insecurity. Number one, everyone, somebody say everyone, say it again, everyone, everyone deals with insecurity. James chapter three and verse two says this, that we all stumble in many ways. It goes on to say anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. You know, I was, I was meditating on this scripture and I've came to the conclusion that I've never met somebody that fulfills this scripture. It says this, once again, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. I have never been not at fault in what I've said. I've gone long periods of times, but, but if I was going to be honest, I've been at fault in things that I've spoken multiple times and and I don't think I've ever had a conversation with another person on the planet. And I've had some great conversations with some wonderful men of God and women of God. But I don't think that they've never been found at fault in what they've said. I don't believe that this is an impossibility. I just think this is a high mark. It's a high mark. And so I believe that that whenever we are at fault, how we deal with that is extremely important. There was a survey that was done, a thousand people over, over multiple demographics, they were, they were surveyed and 84% of people on the planet, this was back about three or four years ago, 84% of people on the planet deal with insecurity and they can tell where the 
the, the insecurity's origin, where it came from. So they, they were honest and they were like, yeah, listen, I deal with insecurities and this is where, this is where it began. This is the origins of it. Do you know who's not insecure? God's definitely not insecure. Who else is not insecure? Children. Who said it? Who said it? Kids are not insecure. Children are not insecure. Children, they can be in a public space, in a public place, and scream at the top of their lungs and not care a bit what anybody thinks about. Right? They can wet themselves in public, not even care about it. They could toot or burp out loud, not even consider it. Right? So that shows us, it shows us that insecurity is a learned behavior. It's a learned fear. For my own personal life, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but, but many of you know that I started drinking because of insecurity. I can take you back. There was a lot of things happening. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was a year. I was contemplating family life, and, and I, was, I, was, I was growing kind of into myself. But I remember there was a day where I stood up in class. It was one of those, you know, hey, give the answer if you got the answer. And I really thought I had the answer. And so, man, I jumped up with incredible boldness and I gave the answer and it wasn't the right answer. And the whole class began to laugh at me. And I can tell you that amongst other things that happened around that time, it was just kind of setting the stage for, for that moment. I can tell you that that was the day, that was the time, that was the exact moment where there was a seed of insecurity that was planted in my heart. Because I questioned everything else, especially after that, beyond that, do I really want to be vulnerable and open myself because I could be wrong. And it might cause, it might cause my peers, you know what I mean, to, to laugh. And I'm not trying to be funny. I was trying to be serious and I wasn't ready for that. And I can tell you this, that that changed the course of my life. People will say things like, and they're just trying to be helpful. And they're just trying to connect with you, right, socially, They'll, they'll say things like, listen, you're just like your father. And that's all wonderful and that's all excellent and everything. But what if you don't want to be like your father? What if that is the last thing that you want to be like is your father? You know, your father may be a little quirky or maybe your father has built a name that is not the best name for himself. And so whenever somebody says that and they're just trying to be nice, man, I see your father in you so much. Then the next thing you know, that very person is trying to do everything that they can possibly do not to become just like their father. And so they get rid of everything that is natural to them, everything that they truly are, because there is some resemblance there. And now they start trying to be something that they were not because they know that they don't want to be like this title that's been placed on them. Or take the same situation. Your dad is very successful and, and, and he's, he's very liked and, and, and it just seems like he has the right thing to say at the right time always. And he's admired and he's, he's tremendously respected in the community. And somebody says, boy, you're just like your father. But you don't feel like you're your father. You don't feel like you'll ever be able, come on, to add up to your father and what it is that he's been able to accomplish. And now there's an insecurity that's been birthed in you because now you've got the weight of becoming great and you don't know how in the world you're going to get there. You have no idea how that's going to play out. So now there's a pressure to become. Number three is this. Insecurities carry visible side effects. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17 says this. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear 
good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, this you will know that by your fruit, you will recognize them. And so insecurities are easy to identify. And they're not always presenting in a way that you think they're going to present. I mean, sometimes insecurity is shown in and through somebody being quiet. And sometimes it's shown in and through somebody being timid and not looking, you know, one man looking another man into the eyes, just kind of diverting their, you know, their, 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 their focus. Sometimes that's a sure sign that, that, that a person is insecure. But let me just tell you, also, the overly loud person, it's very possible that that person is insecure. That person that always seems to have the answer and they feel like they have to have an answer, that person might be the most insecure person in the, in the entire conversation. They got to dominate. Come on, they've got to overcompensate the discussion. They've got to overcompensate in how it is that they act because they're hiding something that they don't want you to know about. See, Saul was an insecure leader, and we can look at the life of Saul, and we can see how his insecurities presented themselves. Now, Saul was a big man, a tall man of great stature, right? Everything about this person would say, that guy's got to be secure. But listen, when David went out to kill Goliath, how many of you know that this was a victory for all of Israel? This was a tremendous victory for all of Israel. And so instead of Saul being, being able to come alongside and, and remain celebratory, come on, there was, there was jealousy and there was envy that began to enter into his heart. And then all of a sudden they would go out to another battle and they would be victorious over that battle. And then they would come home from that battle, a great victory again. For the, for the Israelites. And then all of a sudden, all the women and all the people are in the streets. The welcoming committee and they're chanting, David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. So jealousy and envy continued to enter in to the heart of Saul. I want you to know this. That you can find if somebody deals with insecurity by watching how they lose. Now listen, I'll be the first to tell you, I absolutely don't like to lose anything that I am competing in. I want to win. I don't care if it's ping pong. I don't care if it's badminton, Javi. I don't care, I don't care if it's horseshoes. I don't care what it is. If I'm going to play it, I want to win. I don't want to come in second. But I will also tell you this, that I have no problem losing. It's the weirdest thing. I can celebrate somebody else's win. And it has not always been this way because I lived a large portion of my life being performance driven. If I performed well, then there was more value to my life. And, and if I didn't perform well, then I was somehow less valuable. And I'm telling you a sure set that somebody is insecure is watch how they lose. Watch how they lose. If they don't lose well, if they can't celebrate the success of somebody else, then that person probably most likely is an insecure person. Come on, if you're looking at, at how well, like if somebody gets a job promotion or they come into, you know, a, a life-changing circumstance and situation, there are some people that this is how they handle that. Well, that should have been me. I worked harder than they did. I put in more time. I, that, I, 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 but they got the, they got the promotion they're making $100,000 more than, than what I'm making now. And I'm just telling you this. This is a very difficult and a sad place to be. Right? It's a sad place when we can't celebrate other people's wins and other people's successes.
Another thing that is an identifier of insecurity is when there's a blame transfer. Once again, I shared this passage of scripture up here. It says, uh, says, anyone who is never at fault in the same way, this person is perfect. And I'm telling you this, that I've never, I, I have not lived a perfect life. There's been many times that I've been at fault. I can tell you a good thing about my faults is I have no problem sitting across from whoever I've done wrong and saying, listen, man, I am sorry. I absolutely blew it. This also shapes how, it, how, I, I, how I usually, and I've missed this. Boy, Matt, I've missed this with you a few times. Javi, I've missed this with you a few times where I've gotten frustrated. I've missed this with my wife a lot of times. Where I've where I've where I've where I've I've come up short and I've responded too heavy-handed for the situation usually leads me back to a place of saying, listen, I'm sorry, I should not have done that. Right? So how it is that we that we that we that we deal with our own shortcomings that will show us if we are secure or insecure. A lot of times overreacting is a sign of insecurity. Blame transfer. Somebody that never takes responsibility for their shortcoming may deal with insecurity. Be a person that says, you know what, man, I blew it. And I'm sorry for it. And I'll try to do better going forward. The third thing is fear of man. And what a scary place to be when our validation comes from what other people can give us back. This literally leads to a group of people or people becoming people pleasers. Why? Because that's where we get our validation. And, and if we get good feedback, then, then, then I'm valuable, I'm secure. If it's not good feedback, then it, it breeds insecurities. Jesus said it like this, beware when all people speak highly of you. This should be something that you should be careful of. Because if everybody speaks highly of you, then you're, then you're just probably sharing with people what they want to hear, not necessarily what they need to hear. You're, you may not be standing up for the things that need to be stood up for because it might not be popular. And so beware when all people speak highly of you. See, listen, don't surrender your values. Don't surrender your convictions just to be liked and accepted. Sometimes you have to stand up for the things that are most important. Check this out. Two different people at a social gathering. Nothing tremendously special about either one of these people. They're just normal, average people like all of us here. One person, she goes to the social gathering and, and she's just worried about her makeup because she didn't have time to put her makeup on right. She's worried about her hair and... And then halfway there, she's thinking, man, I chose the wrong outfit. And, 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 and she's just totally going into this social setting, completely and absolutely insecure. And all she can do is she's got this, this heavy weight about her the whole evening. And when she does talk to certain people, man, she's like, I can't believe this hair of mine. It just won't, man, I can't believe I just, everybody else is dressed so nice and I'm wearing, like the conversation is shaped around everything that she is not. And the focus is her shortcomings. You got another person that's no more attractive you know, not wearing anything more expensive, but she shows up, average person as well, but she's like, man, I am here to visit with some folks that I haven't visited with in a long time. And she's going around and, and she's having meaningful conversations. Some people don't really want to engage her in conversation, but that's okay. It's like they're lost. But at the end of the night, she's had some enriched moments come on with people that she hadn't seen in a long time and was able to reconnect with a few of them. 
And I'm just saying this, that insecurity holds people back and it robs them of life's opportunities. What a wasted night for the one and what a great night for the other. See, there's number four is this. Many people are falsely secure. And just because you project it doesn't mean that you possess it. In fact, there's a lot of people in our world today that they want to project. Let me just say it like this in case you don't know. A lot of people project success that they really don't even have. This is why I always think it's interesting. Social studies have shown that very wealthy people, they don't project their wealth. We have some people in our church here that if you just met them and you didn't know, like you wouldn't know that they, they come from, they come from, you know, they've got, God's entrusted them with a lot of substance, with a lot of finances. You would never know it. But yet other people in our community, they are leveraged to the hilt, their credit, man, they got the latest, greatest of whatever it is. And it looks good. They're projecting it well out here. It looks good out here, but it's really not possessed. And just because you project something doesn't mean that you possess something. In fact, those folks that are projecting something that they don't quite yet have, I'm guessing they're dealing with some insecurities. They're dealing with some insecurities. And they're trying to be something that, that they feel other people are going to, are going to appreciate. And so, so listen, you can have even a lot of money. We're talking about false securities. You can have a lot of money, but not be secure in that, right? In fact, there was a, there was a, um, I really must've hit a nerve with that young lady, you know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> tell him to stop dad tell him to stop <laughs> oh, I love that <laughs> what's that yeah it's a sad subject <laughs> uh, turn the page there's a documentary done on a on a, a lady that had just loads of money in the bank and and um and People knew about it, and this, this lady was actually, her house was broken into, and she was robbed from at gunpoint. And she, she had more money than any of us in this entire room, but yet the post-traumatic stress that she, that she dealt with after that traumatic event literally kept her from being able to leave the house. And so my question is this, how secure did all that money in the bank literally make her? Like it's almost like her life stopped at the moment, even though the person got away with just a small percentage of what she owned, but she was never able to get over that. And so, so money cannot give you security. Success can't give you security. Um, Tom Brady was interviewed one, one day, and I think most of us would agree, even if you don't like him, he's the greatest of all time. There's no question. I don't know how you could argue it, Am I getting booze? Am I? <laughs> Did I just get booed on Sunday morning? You're tapping on my insecurities. Well, I failed today. No. <laughs> I don't care what y'all think. He's got to be one of the greatest people of all time in, in, the, um, in the area of being a quarterback and, and the leader but at the height of his career, the pinnacle of his career, he said, this guy's got money in the bank. He's got fame, fortune, success. He's accomplished everything that, that, that a guy in that capacity, like he's, he's set all the records and met all of his goals. But he says this in an interview, there's got to be something more to life than this. And so success can't give you security. I mean, you might think it can, but it can't. It's not sustainable. And appearance can't give you security. Like there are some people, men and women, where you will see them out in public and, and you'll be like, man, God took a lot of extra time on that person. Like everything is perfect, right? They're just, they're just man, God just built them very, very well. 
But do you know this? Supermodels are among some of the most insecure people on the planet. All of us average normal people would be like, well, how in the world can that be? You know what I mean? They've got everything. They're tall, they're thin, they're fit, they're whatever. They've got everything. How can they be insecure? Why? Because they're surrounded by everybody else that's perfect. And they're always judging themselves against another. And then, oh, by the way, a little BTW. Whenever that person begins to age, do you know the great and tremendous depression that comes because all of the sudden they've been the focus of attention and now they're being bypassed left and right and they don't know how to deal with it. And so their complete and full identity has been based of being the one that is celebrated and now they're being the one that's overlooked. And I'm saying that I believe there's a lot of suicide and things like that that take place because they don't know how to shift gears. They've been forgotten. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, the Lord sees differently than we see as men and women. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I want you to know this, that the, the answer to my message is that real security can only be found in the Lord. And I'm telling you what, when you have that security, it doesn't matter how you look. I'm not saying you shouldn't want to be the best version of you that you can be, but that's not what it's about. It shouldn't matter how much money you have in the bank. There's nothing wrong with having money in the bank, but that's not your identity. It's not your, it's not your reason for existence. And, and your reason for existence is to be in relationship with God and to elevate him in the world. There was a guy, and I'm, I, I, I'm just going to hit this just real quick because it was a conversation I had within the last couple of weeks. But this guy was going to counseling. And, um, and his counselor had asked him, he said this, he asked him the question, he says, does your wife, or, or do you, would you say that you need your wife or you want your wife? And, and I thought, man, that is a dang good question. Do you need your wife or do you want your wife? And I said, so what did you say? And he said, I literally said, I need my wife. And while that sounds like a really good answer, and, and please, wives and husbands, don't throw stuff at me. Don't, don't say what I'm not saying. But the truth is, is you don't need anybody. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want my wife. I desire my wife. Like she is my, she is my number two. But when I have the Lord, I know my security rests that I have everything that I need. And in the event that my wife or my husband isn't there tomorrow, that's really going to be terrible. And it's really going to be terrible for me. Like, it's really going to be terrible for me. For some of you that know my situation, it would really be terrible for me. But you know what? God, God is able to make up the difference. And so while we want these people in our life, like you, you doesn't even sound right saying it. You don't need anybody but God. And that is absolutely the truth. So overcoming insecurity, we're going to speed up here real quick. I want to look at the life of Gideon just real quick. Instead of reading it, I'm just going to give a quick overview. Judges chapter six is where this is found, but Israel had abandoned God and the man Gideon was hiding out. He was threshing wheat. And, um, and the Lord came to him and said, listen, the angel of the Lord said, mighty man, I'm going to use you in a great way. Go save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And so Gideon immediately, he's like, he's like, how in the world are you going to use me? I'm the least of the, I come from the least of the clan, the smallest clan, and I'm the least in my own family. And you're choosing to use me. And I'm just saying that this is a sign of insecurity. God fast forwards the whole thing. And he says, listen, all I'm calling you to do is to follow my instruction. Gideon had 32,000 troops with him. By the time God was done with the situation, he was left with 300 troops with him. 
And he said this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go surround the huge army of the Midianites with those 300 people. And I want you to light torches, put them under a, you know, a, a, a little bucket. And then I'm going to tell you when to sound the trumpets. And even though there's only 300 of you, it's going to seem like there's 3 million of you. And before Gideon or any of the other troops had to withdraw their sword and, and, and begin to use them in battle, the enemy, the Midianites, began to destroy one another. They ran each other through with swords and with spears. And so I want you to realize that you have a fire within you. It's called the Holy Ghost that will help you to destroy any enemy, insecurity being one of them, any, any shortcoming that you deal with in life. And you won't have to lift your sword from your sheath. God will do it for you. All right, so number one is be obedient, or A is to be obedient to God's plan. Any success that we've experienced in the Lord always begins when we say yes to the Lord. People ask me, man, oh man, God's used, you know, Grace Church to do great things, and it's really, really cool. All of that has equaled somebody saying yes to the Lord, or many people saying yes to the Lord. So when God asks you to do something, I would just say simply, go do it. Don't question it. Trust it. Believe it. And even when it's hard, go do it. So giving, generosity is followed by security. But guess what? Giving is not an easy thing to do. Being generous with what God has given you is not easy. Forgiveness it, whenever we forgive somebody that has hurt us, security follows that, right? It's not easy to do because we have a right to be mad. I have been hurt. Come on, this person has abused me. They've, they've used me, but I choose to forgive them. Security will follow. And then going also is another big one. When God calls you to go, I want you to know that you will find security in that because he will begin to provide the way for you to go and there will be fruit from your going. In fact, I was just sharing a testimony was shared with me just yesterday about uh, a conversation that this person had with Tyson. Tyson told this person, listen, I really feel like you're supposed to fast for 24 hours. The person went and fasted for 24 hours. Tyson said, listen, come back and tell me the testimony that comes because he was praying for a certain thing. Come back and tell me what God did in this short period of time of you being obedience. And immediately the guy came back and, and had a great testimony. Why? Because that's how God works. The second thing or B is this, visit your secret place often. What is your secret place? I remember as a kid, we lived on the, on the Columbia River. And we had a lot of BLM land between our property and the river itself. And I can't tell you how many hours I spent out there. But I built things like tree forts. And, but I was really a great craftsman in digging tunnel forts. Man, I would dig these extravagant tunnel forts under the ground. And, and any time that we would play hide-and-go-seek tag, which was a big deal when I was a kid... Man, I always had the best place to hide because I had prepared a secret place beforehand. And the other thing, too, is, is I would only share my secret place, this extravagant tunnel forts that I, would, that I would build all over that area. I would only share them with people that meant a great deal, people that I trusted. And I would share them with my close friends. And I want you to know this, that all of us need a secret place. Come on, we need a place where we can retreat to. The Bible says in Psalm 91 and 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Matthew 6 and verse 6 says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees everything who sees even the things done in secret will reward you. See, the secret place is a place of intimacy. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of communion with God. 
The root of insecurity is not visiting the secret place often enough. I'm telling you this, that if you would visit that place and have intimacy with the Lord, you will find yourself feeling more and more secure. May take a little bit of time, but I promise you it will happen. Number three is this, or C, is embrace your weakness. I love what Emily shared in our pre-service prayer. She said, if you just embrace your weakness, if you embrace kind of your insecurity, how you're feeling, this is what she called it. She said, it can, it can turn into a superhero for you. And I was like, man, I just love that. She was talking about having to visit in front of a bunch of people and she's just sweating all over the place. And she just said out loud, I just want you all to know that I'm sweating all over the place. Everybody laughed and, and, uh, and, and, and that's funny, but it's also something that people can connect with because you're not alone in feeling insecure. See, no one is perfect. There's not one. All have sinned and turned aside. And I want you to know that when you're vulnerable, it will enrich your relationship with God but it will also enrich your relationship with another. Think about this. And we don't believe in this. We don't believe in hocus pocus. We don't believe in haunted nothing. Because we got the Holy Ghost. We got the only ghost that matters right here. But I want you to know, just for illustrative purposes. If I was going to give you all a genie in a bottle. And you were to rub that genie in a bottle. And then the genie pops out and the genie says, listen, what can I do for you today? And every single one of you, we said things like, and we want it all, man. I want the looks. Poof. You're just, you're one of those 10 out of 10. I want the money. Poof. You got tons of money in the bank. I want the, I want the prestige. I want the success. I want the admiration, the adoration. Boom, 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 boom. You're getting it all. I want all the friends. Do you realize that if that was the case, there wouldn't be any one of you that would desire God? Because you have it all. Or at least you think you have it all. But these things, are they wither away like grass. They burn up and they're gone. What you have today will be gone tomorrow. And every single one of us are going to stand before the Lord and we're going to have to give an account. The Bible says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means the person that denied him the entirety of their life is going to come to that recognition that, wow, I really missed it. See, it's the things that we struggle with that show us our need and builds and creates a desire for God, for a Savior. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power in your weakness, in your shortcomings, in the things that you wish were different, God's power is made perfect in those things. Therefore, I will boast, Paul said, all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, God's, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And this is why so many of us have a down in and out story. I've talked to people that don't really believe in God and they're like, oh yeah, everybody's got one of those down and out stories. You had to go to God. You know, poor you. You had to believe in God. Well, the truth is, is even though that person doesn't know it, they've got a down and out story as well. And they find what real life is about whenever they live the surrendered life for the Lord. I'm going to close with this. I'm skipping everything else. I'm closing with this. Are you ready? I don't know why, but I grew up on the, um, this makes sense in just a second. I grew up on the Columbia River. Every single day I was in that river or on the river. And so I, I, I became a really, really good swimmer. And uh, I've been a person since a kid that I could hold my breath for long periods of time, swim. I feel very comfortable 
in the ocean, any body of water, I just feel at home because of the way that I was raised. And um, it's crazy to me how God has used that thing. It's wild, but in my lifetime, I have, I have been, and I'm just going to say used by the Lord. I've been used by the Lord to save five different people from drowning. One that I'm thinking about right now wasn't walking with God at all, but um, I was in high school and we were, we were doing extracurricular activities in the middle of nowhere that we shouldn't have been doing. See, some of you have done some of those same things, I could tell. And so none of us were in our right minds, but we did have enough sense not to take the main road back to where we were, where we came from. And so in Hermiston, Umatilla area, there's a lot of canal systems just like there is in our area here, big farming community, and that's where I grew up. And, um, and so, so we're following a bunch of people um, down the canals, and of course, it was late, late, early, early morning, and so none of us probably should have been driving even on the canals but we started getting a little bit rowdy, and a friend of ours, uh, Jamie Goss, had, um, he was in a Jeep. He was in his Jeep right in front of us. Man, he started just kind of fishtailing a little bit. It's all dusty, and we can't see anything. And then all of a sudden, we get up, and, you know, he's gone. We had to pull back. And we get up to a place where there's, there's, there's the canal, and there's lights in the in the canal and immediately like myself and a uh, good friend Tony Raymond many of you have met him he's come to to visit we knew that man oh man Jamie and and his buddy that was in the jeep they went off into the canal and their jeep was upside down without thinking about it twice we both jumped out Tony was one of those guys that always carried a knife and um and so so we jump in and we're literally diving down. You know, they're upside down in their seatbelt, can't get out of their seatbelt. And, and uh, Tony, um, you know, dives down and, and he can push the button. And uh, my guy, I'm down there forever. And just the way that it was twisted up, the seatbelt wasn't releasing. And so he's down there, I'm down there. I come back up real quick. And I yell for Tony to give me his, his knife. And so he tosses it over to me. Luckily, I caught it first time and, um, and went down and cut the seatbelt. And we were able to get those people, those people out safely. Thank God. That would have been a very tragic situation. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. But, but this is the deal. If circumstances and situations had been different, Jamie Goss and his buddy would not be alive today. Tony was just telling me about, a, I don't know, six months, a year ago, something like that, that he had ran into Tony. And every time that he comes into contact with him, I haven't seen him for years, but every time that he comes into contact with him, he talks about that night that he and I saved um, him and his buddy. And I want us to realize this, that this is what life is really all about, that God does for us what it is that we cannot do for ourselves. God has provision for your life that isn't going to come through you, but it's going to be for you. And he can use other people or he can just use himself directly in a situation, once again, to help you out of dangerous times and situations. And this is what I know, is that God is always on time. Like, like we spent way too much time saying, well, what if nobody would have been behind you? What if you were the last, what if you were the last vehicle? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I'm just saying that we can waste a lot of time on the what ifs. And even in life, when God shows up and does something incredible, sometimes we can dismiss it because circumstances just happen to be right. And I want to take you back to what Sarah Wright said about Operation 365. She said, it's crazy how God is always on time. And if we could just learn to live our everyday lives knowing that God is going to be on time, then it just takes the stress and the burden and the insecurity. It removes those things 
from our lives. Why? Because my life does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Just like Pastor Javi was saying up here, giving a testimony. It's like, God, I don't have the solution. I don't have the answer. But I know that these kids belong to you. And so it's your responsibility. And guess what? When he's responsible for something, he always shows up. Always. Even if there's months and months of worrying leading up to it, God always shows up. And so allow that to take the insecurities that you're dealing with, that you have, and find security that I may not know all things and and, and I may not have all the money and I might not look the way that I want to look and And I might have all of these different things against me, but I belong to God. I am his, and he loves me, and he has created me just like I am. I don't have to fight against it to be something that I'm not. I belong to the Lord. So I'm just going to pray for you quickly. The whole mass of us, because all of us, if you're not dealing with it now, you might be dealing with it in the future. But Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name right now that you would help us to find our security in you and who it is that you've created us to be. God, let us embrace self, a surrendered life to you. God, I know this and Pastor Javi was talking about it in the pre-service prayer that even the paraplegic, even the one that is dismembered, sometimes that person who has physical limitations accomplishes a thousand times more than another person that has everything working like it's supposed to. I believe it's because they trust in something greater than themselves and their own abilities. They trust in you. So right now, in Jesus' name, I command the snare and the trap of insecurity to be broken off of those that have been miserable, made miserable by it for too long. And I'm asking in Jesus' name that safety and security and assurance and identity would just replace that right now as we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen and amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.